I got my, my whole little setup, so now I'm just like, ooh, I'm going to record everything all the time, always. <laughs> good. Well, and then this will work out uh, good, too, when I am guesting on Game & Read. Uh, whenever, when was that going to be, like, April or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have to go back to the message, but it, we haven't had any additional delays, so still, I believe, April. Sweet. Awesome. But um, since we are recording here, hello, everybody. Um, I'm assuming that I might have like three or four listeners yet after my prolonged hiatus. <laughs> back when, uh, People might come back right away. Yeah, you know, maybe. I actually had more downloads on the recording that I did with Jordy last month. Ah, uh-huh. shit, that was last yeah, that was last month already. Holy crap. Anyway, yeah, so this is the Rules Lawyers. Uh, we're doing another discussion episode. One day I would like to get back into the actual play stuff, but it, it is just a real humdinger to try to schedule that shit currently with, yeah. my, uh, with my current situation. It's hard enough to schedule D&D games without, you know, babies and recording mm. at the same time. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I imagine that adding those two factors makes it a little bit tougher. It does. It, I actually played D&D for the first time last saturday since they were born so that was like uh september was probably the last time that i played the uh the sean and mcguire one yeah the sean and mcguire thing i'll have we'll have to get into that how do you want to do this oh i was gonna say we should introduce you and by we i mean you introduce yourself all right Uh, my name is peter i co-host a podcast with my wife called game and read it is a book and video game pairing discussion podcast where Every month we take apart a book and a video game. We try and put them together based on things we think they may have in common. We play the game, read the book, and discuss over three episodes everything about the two of them, including how they fit together, how they do on their own, and just kind of our general thoughts. But that's a podcast you can find on all the places. Game mm-hmm. and read. Yeah, um, I really enjoy it. So back in the day, because I know you were doing it for uh, a period of time, and then you had taken a hiatus, and then you got back onto it. Yes. And I believe I did guest on that one time you, Jordan, and I were at C2E2. We did a quick, like, review of our experience at the convention. But I actually, I listened to you back then when you had stuff up on there, and your recent stuff, I've been listening to it as well. It's it's truly very enjoyable, and I'm not just saying that because Peter's my friend, but I, I do enjoy it. Glad to hear that. I, I, I like that you like it. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. back in uh, 2017. That was actually one of our last episodes just because it had become a little bit too much of a with, you know, doing work and all that. And we just mm-hmm. weren't in a good keep doing it. So we just decided like, hey, let's pull the plug for now. If we ever want, we'll just come back to it. Two years later, we're like, OK, maybe we should go back to it and see if we can try and do it a little bit better and make the schedule work better with, you know, what we need to do as two working adults. All right, it's been pretty good. You know, a couple of minor snags here and there, but for the most part, we've been staying consistent for four or five months now. And yeah, you have. I'm glad that you guys. I'm glad you guys hop back onto it. It's um, yeah. it's very fun. I and the recent ones you did with Jordan with Day of the Tentacle and um, oh geez, what's the other one? Meddling uh, kids. Meddling kids. Yeah, I've never played or read either, but I I just enjoyed your analysis. I got a pretty good feel for what's going on there. And then actually. Jump back to the Sean McGuire yeah. tidbit we mentioned. I think your first one that you and Aaron did, going mm-hmm. back into it, you did a Sean McGuire book with Kingdom Hearts, right? Yes, yes. We did Every Heart a Doorway, which is her novella about uh, kids who come back from magical worlds. Uh, and they all kind of go off and have their own distinct experiences and then kind of come back uh, and don't want to be back. And then stuff happens from there. 
Uh, so we thought that was an interesting thing to pair with the idea of going to the different worlds in Kingdom Hearts, going on through that. But that was our that was our first pairing in our comeback. Yeah, I also enjoyed that one a lot. And I, it was funny because um, when I first got the email, like, I'm trying to remember when I got the email to do this thing. I think it was even before the girls were born. So it was probably late September. I got the email from the library saying uh, the title was something along the lines of, would you like to DM a game for an award-winning author? And it was from someone that I knew at the library. And I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on here. I was actually on a Skype call with Jordy. We weren't recording. We were just kind of catching up after not talking after a, a period of time. I was just reading it out loud. And I'm like, Sean and McGuire, that sounds familiar. And Jordy was like, oh, damn, that's all. He, he was really excited. His wife also really likes her, too. Mm-hmm. I had never read anything by her at that point. But, of course, I agreed because I, I do a lot of stuff with the library when I can. I ended up reading a short story of hers that they linked to me just so I can kind of get a feel of her style. And I really enjoyed it. And I actually used it as inspiration for the module that I wrote. But then I went on to read Middle Game, which came out in 2019. And I loved that book. I thought it was amazing. I haven't read that one yet. So far, I've only read Every Heart a Doorway and Feed, uh, which she actually published mm-hmm. under a different name, yeah. uh, which is her, the first in her like zombie series. But, you know, I, I kind of classify her as like, really good genre fiction and she does mm-hmm. enjoyable without being too tongue-in-cheek kind of takes on different styles of particularly fantasy fiction or more fantastical things like zombies or i know aaron there's a mermaid book that aaron really likes by her um i don't know what's middle game about so middle game fittingly is about twins and they uh so there's um it's a story about a an old group of I said, and I'm trying to put this as delicately without spoiling anything. An old group of I should say ancient guild of alchemists that are trying to effectively take over reality using alchemy bullshit. And okay. one, one and then one particular individual cracks the code on kind of how to do it, and they do so by helping to birth twins that accompany ideals and eventually the idea is that the twins can oh boy i am not saying this as eloquently as i want to but the the twins can eventually encompass these fundamental ideals and if effectively they can control what's called the what do they call that the oh shit kind of like yeah. a is it like a chaos magic how are we dealing here because we're dealing it, like alchemists with a big plot so it's, it's like in a in a lab with alchemy, just yeah, just al- alchemy bullshit. These uh, multiple sets of twins are created, and uh, I'm I'm gonna be like half of this podcast, and I'm gonna remember it's the uh, fuck. It, it's, effectively, it's the the equation that you can control reality with. So the these pairs of twins, all of them have rhyming names. They are planted across uh, planted across different families throughout the world i believe and um one particular set of twins one being like the embodiment of word and language and the other one being the embodiment of mathematics they come into contact with each other they build a relationship with each other realize they have powers and then end up stopping the the plot with the the main antagonist and right. I, I swear we're gonna be like half an hour in here, Peter, and I'm gonna remember the the name of this thing. So if I <laughs> shout out some bullshit alchemy term, that's that's what I'm doing. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was very good. I, I highly recommend it. It was a fun time that I did at the library. My module that I wrote 
it was based off of a short story that she did called Dragonflies. And it eventually turned into Forgotten Realms meets Jurassic Park meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I, I thought it went over well. It was a good time. All right. Yeah, no, definitely a fun takes on genre fiction. That's what yeah. she so, so well. Yeah, for so sure. What, what I, kind of, I, I, gotta, I, I know, you know, I don't know how much is private because it was a semi-public event or whatever. What kind of a player in D&D is Sean and McGuire? Oh, like sure. a really gung ho role player. Is she, you know, a tactics lord? Like, I'm, I'm curious what her her play style is. I'm guessing more on the role play side, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I was wondering the same thing. I like, uh, and I, I kind of want to get into this eventually because I think it's fascinating talking about where people come from in terms of their uh, role playing game styles. But I, I had a pretty good feeling as well that she'd be a little bit more on the roleplay side, but I did get an email from the librarian who passed along a message from her to me before it all went down that she preferred chaotic arcanists. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, well, um, typically how I run these events, I print off some pre-generated characters. I originally wanted to make them myself, but I did not have the time. So I found a lovely website that can give you, the, I believe they give you all the different subclasses through mm-hmm. the PHB and I think Sword Coast Adventures Guide. So I printed her off a level four, I want to say Dragonborn Chaos Sorcerer. She was was definitely more on the side of the role play and kind of on like the the yucks, which is which is great, kind of more, more humorous than anything. And she, but she did have a pretty good knowledge of the 5e system, which is a relief for me. I, I definitely have no issue teaching newbies how to play, but after doing it so much, especially when I'm trying to like corral a uh, an event at a at a public thing, it really slows down the game when I have to explain like the basics of everything. But she she knew what was going on. She had a uh, she she ran with it. We had a pretty good time. All right, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you know, I that's a good segue, I suppose, into just Dungeons and Dragons itself. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the ordeal, I saw real quick before we hopped on that you started painting some minis today. Is that right? <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I've always wanted to do that, and I've never uh, wanted, never just, I just never dipped my toe into it or into the pool of that. Um, and there's, there's like an entire like world to painting minis. Oh like, yeah, there is online classes you can take, uh, like different materials, techniques. I, I think it's fascinating, and one day I'd like to give it a try. Yeah, no, I don't know how far down this rabbit hole I'm going to end up going, um, but I enjoyed the two kind of sloppily made minis I made today. I thought they um, looked good. Yeah, I, they're, they're certainly, like, if you're looking down at the table, you'd be like, I see what that is. That's definitely a tiefling holding a quarterstaff, mm-hmm. which it yep. is. Then you yeah, get close to it. This paint could be smoother. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to get there. I'm going to keep working on it. Uh, my experience with minis, actually as a, like, a nine-year-old, for whatever reason, some friend of mine convinced me, hey, Warhammer's really cool. And I was like, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, none of us knew how to play Warhammer mm-hmm. at all. We got the rule book and we're like, this doesn't make any sense. But hey, let's paint some figures. Hell yeah. Um, for about two years, I collected... For a nine-year-old, I would say a pretty large collection of Warhammer and Warhammer 40k figures uh, and did very bad paint jobs on them because I was 10. Um, <laughs> pretty fun and took up a lot of my, my birthday presents. I bet that would. I, the only thing I know about Warhammer is that there's a lot of minis and it's expensive as hell. That's like basically all I know. 
Yeah, it's expensive, it's detailed, and it's much more... It's all war games, but, like, fantasy style. Mm-hmm. So, sure. you know how there's those war gamers who, like, love World War Two yep. games? you know different wars uh it's just the fantasy take on that where it's really about the the tactics and setting up these different scenarios uh and then making super detailed guys so you can just like impress the five other dudes who like warhammer in your area <laughs> nice hell yeah yeah i um they do some warhammer over at our local comic store here and i i've seen people getting to get into it what little convention activity we have in this area it happens as well but uh, I feel like I see a lot more people who play like, you know, 5e or Magic the Gathering than you see a, a hardcore Warhammer person. But again, you know, the, the uh, respect to the attention to detail that they give, because I'm sure it, it's a lot. Yeah. And then the other thing on minis, I'm just going to be real tangential here. Did, were you ever a HeroClix kid? I, oh, I'm vaguely aware of it. Is it is it like HeroQuest? Is that the no, same thing? Well, Hero Clicks is like the the superheroes one, so like DC and Marvel characters, but okay. they were prepaid minis and they had these kind of dials on the bottom, and it was kind of like a that one I actually got into and learned how to play because it was a lot easier because it was designed for like teenagers and middle schoolers. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's all kind of like tactical scenarios where it's like, okay, I've got Spider Man and Iron Man, and you've got Superman and Batman. We're gonna see who wins. But that, that's my other kind of foray into into minis, although that's more just collecting and playing rather than the actual, like, trying to be artistic, to be like, I want to make this tiefling look good just in case I ever use him. Gotcha. I, I think they had mentioned Hero Clicks a handful of times on My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and I think that's where the only place I've ever heard the name before. Uh, All right. that, was, that, was never a, that was never a thing for me. Not much um, to look to nowadays. I don't think it exists anymore. <laughs> I always get confused with Hero Quest, and I always remember wanting to play that game and it being in a like. I, I, I asked my mom, like, "Hey, mom, for my birthday, can I get the Hero Quest game?" She goes, "Oh yeah, sweet." She thinks it's a board game. I think it costs like, you know, you know how like bigger detail-oriented board games are fairly expensive. She bought shit the floor when it was like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, especially so main-based board games. Exactly, and I ended up never getting it. I think it's also worth mentioning that we have played Dungeons and Dragons together. At least once. I'm pretty sure it was just the one time, right? I think the one time, yes. And I was I was the DM for this particular session. Mm-hmm. That was one of the times that... Um, I think it was that very... Was it the same time that we recorded for Game & Read? That same C2E2? I think this was C2E2 2016. That sounds about right. Because I believe you and uh, your buddy Matt were in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was when Jordan was still at uh, his first Masters. Um, <laughs> yeah. My wife, that's how I know Jordan, that's how I met through. You was through a grad school that I did not attend. Exactly. And so we had started a campaign and with some of the people from that grad school, and you and Matt were in town, and so we had you guys come on as kind of like guest characters. And this was a campaign that it was completely homespun by me. I had this kind of big idea of like, okay, it's a big magical archipelago. There's mm-hmm. a lot of colonial shit going on, and huge magical cataclysm happens and we're all on boats because pirates are fun yep that was yep. my whole concept yeah and, that was very fun i remember that concept to this day wasn't there like um there was either a shitload of water was either destroyed or created and you were trying to figure out why that was the main hook yeah. wasn't it a lot of water was destroyed so what basically what happens in their first big mission they kind of happen upon like a big 
uh, spell happen or they inadvertently cause it to like take effect where suddenly there's a lot less ocean. Um, there's still a lot of ocean because it's a big archipelago, but it's like, oh, man, the water just like receded off of this part of the planet <laughs> to a significant degree. And where I was kind of going with that, I don't know if I'll ever revisit it just because I don't know, was basically like, OK, there's this god being that wants to turn this archipelago it, like they wanted it to become the next continent and so they are trying to make it happen by any means possible uh even against like the will of whoever else was in that pantheon okay that's very fun yeah so yeah. that's where i was going but we got nowhere near that because i think we did about five sessions and then stuff happened isn't that like just a, a damn shame i feel like that happens with so many homebrew like most of my homebrew things um I have an entire arc. I have an entire like big grand scaling mm-hmm. thing. And then it falls apart after like, you know, five, 10, maybe even 20 sessions. And like, you're, you're keeping it in the back of your pocket just in case you want to bust that shit out one day. And, uh, but, but then is it ever going to happen? Like in reality, probably not. And that's, it's a shame. Yeah. And it, it's tough to keep like one, it's tough to keep things going, even if you didn't write it yourself, but mm-hmm. then to add in the fact of like, okay, not only was I setting this in a completely its own universe, uh, like, it was completely on its own, so I was, like, creating all this, like, okay, well, there's these continents, and this is how the structure works, and I don't know if any of this will ever come up, but I'm gonna have it ready just in case. Mm-hmm. And that that just takes a ton of work, and that's why there are professionals who get paid to do it, who work <laughs> yeah. for, you know, DNA, or sell their products online, or whatever, because it's it's a ton of labor and it's hard to get somebody to do that just in their their spare time, even if they you know really love it. And I was super down, like I was really like, yes, this is my magnum opus of D and D. Yep, I hear that, man. That's the, that's the story of like my entire homebrew career. I have an entire like big old binder full of all my homebrew shit. I've had multiple campaigns set in my homebrew world. I I mean I went as, I I created an entire pantheon and I had like a weird naming system based on the syllables of the gods and you could tell by how many syllables were in each parts of their names to determine what uh what alignment they were like I got way into it and I loved it I really enjoyed setting up the whole thing and the whole like gimmick and conflict of the entire planet existing one day I might tell my one crew that truly did invest into the homebrew what the shit was but I'm still kind of holding out hope that like maybe my <laughs> girls will turn 10 and I have a little more free time. And like, maybe when my girls start going off to do hang out with their friends, I can finally bust that, bust that shit back out. But I mean, you know, you know what I want to have happen? I want like, well, okay. I want you to be able to play it, but I want in like 22 years, your daughters to find all your binders of stuff. Um, uh, <laughs> And then just be like, what is all this? And then they start a podcast about it. It's like my dad wrote oh. a porno. My dad oh. created a fantasy universe that never got truly fulfilled because it was in D and D. Dude, that is my dream. That'd yeah. Be, oh and then God. they become famous for it, and then boom, you know, you're you're the next shit my dad says, but you know, in twenty, thirty years. Now I just have to construct a um, an Ozymandias level plan on how to make that happen in the next like 20 years did i ever tell you how i want to try to get them into role-playing games okay do you have a strategy for this already no i I have a strategy on how to get them into into nerd shit more or less i want to keep my DD books and like maybe you know um just a cool nerd fun books up on the top shelf of my bookshelves and when they're old enough they'll be like daddy what are those books 
and I say, oh, you, the classic you Iowa accent. Yes, you, for, it's a Dubuque dialect, you see. And they, Daddy, the the books, they look so fun. And I say, oh, no, girls, you cannot look at those. They are too scary and cool for you. So, like, for years, they're going to be like, I want to read those fucking books. And then one day, one's going to get on top of the other one's shoulders, teeter on over to the top shelf, rip them down. And then they like, you know, it's all the I want to forbidden fruit them. I want to Adam and Eve them with this uh, with this D&D role playing game knowledge. And I, I hope that's how it's going to be, because I feel like if I shove it down their throat they're going to like reject it. And that will be very disheartening for me if they do so. And then they're going to play sports. And I, I can't have that. They're not, <laughs> they're, not, they're not doing that. You know, they, they can, they can enjoy sport. Make sure it's an interesting one to attend because you will have to attend a lot of it. Oh yeah. No, if it's softball, I'm just going to. Oh, um, I'd be ugh. a kid. And they started playing like softball or baseball. I'm, I, I, I like baseball enough that I would probably, I don't think I'd become a toxic parent, but I would be like, yeah, I'm excited to go to this game. Oh, yeah, no second graders. I think, I think, I'm not sure. You know, I, I respect the game. I just, it's no fun for me. I, I no. don't enjoy basketball. Yeah, no. personally. Yeah. I'm not good at it. I, I don't want to put up a hoop or anything. <laughs> it's a sport that I have any experience with and I will probably be invested. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I most stick and ball games, most most ball games in general, like if if they get into sports, I might conveniently have to work overtime those nights whenever they have a, an event. But but if they have a speech competition, I'm all there. I'm there all weekend. Sweet. So you're yeah. you're you're aiming for like the the RPG loving theater kids. Yes, exactly. But I mean, to for the record, if they end up liking sports, I'll I'll be there begrudgingly. Um, you know, I'll get into it. Whatever yeah. they want. I mean, I, I think kids will, if not push necessarily one way or the other, will kind of naturally go towards what their parents have some clearly, like, personal interest in. So if you're actively still doing, like, board games and tabletops and stuff like that and reading fantasy books, they will, just through osmosis, learn about that and potentially be interested. So that'd be my my guess of how things will probably end up going. Um, I sure do hope so. Yeah, because I think some people come on a little too strong uh, with, you know, making their kid memorize names of whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I think some people tend to, you know, hide what they're passionate about. And it's like, no, show that your kids that you're interested in things and they'll probably be interested in it, too. When I talk to children that I work with and they're like, and I'm like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're like, well, my mom's an accountant, so I guess that. And I'm like... (laughs) do you they just like pe- kids just emulate their parents if they have a good relationship with their parents so yeah they'll, they'll probably emulate you in some capacity you and your wife um and whatever you guys show as interests that you have yeah exactly and I'll, I'll try really hard not to force them to memorize the um uh the names of the different valar from the lord of the rings or the uh the names of the different targaryen kings i'll i'll try real hard not to Make them look at those flashcards every night before they go to bed. <laughs> Top 10 CR monsters, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clearly the Merut, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's probably a good transition into some of those questions that I sent you yes. a bit ago. I'm, I'm going back in the chat. I see a few of them here. These are kind of my um, my initial questions that I do for people that I first have guesting. And then... More than likely, I'll probably have you on at some point in the near future, just because I, I know that we have similar interests with this kind of stuff. But yes, yeah. the first question that I wrote you was, tell me about your history with D&D, how you started playing, 
Do you run a PC or DM more often, etc.? All right. So my history with D&D as D&D proper, if we're talking specifically tabletop role-playing games, because I already talked a bit about my background with liking random nerdy stuff and miniatures and tactical games. Going into college, my concept of what Dungeons and Dragons was was basically based around, I think there's one episode of Dexter's Laboratory where they play D&D. <laughs> and I was like, that that's, that's some nerd shit. I don't want to dress up. I like... Mm-hmm stuff like hellboy um because <laughs> it's 2005 and hellboy is the coolest uh hellboy still is the coolest i, but I will say you know, Hel- hellboy, a little ignoring the most recent movie hellboy is fucking awesome yeah no i didn't see that i i, 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 avoided, it. I avoided it like the plague <laughs> uh anyway uh so actually what happened was uh i got pat paired with my first college roommate adam who's you know still one of my closest friends and somebody to play a lot of D&D with now. So we're yeah. messaging each other on Facebook, and he's like, oh, you know, what are you into? I'm like, I'm into kind of nerdy stuff. You know, I like Lord of the Rings and watching movies and video games, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, but I'm not that nerdy. I, mean, I, don't, I don't play, like, D&D or anything. Like, <laughs> I literally wrote that down in, a, like, a Facebook message. I can probably go back and find it. <laughs> That's great. Adam had started playing D&D in early high school and was a fairly avid player. And so he just goes, ha ha, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't let me. And then we get there, and I'm a like... Non-committal, ha ha, yeah. I really want to be friends with either have already played D&D for years or got in with those guys real quick and are now playing D&D. And I've just, like, sat around my freshman year being like, I want to try D&D. All my friends are doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry I called it nerd stuff. I was wrong. It is, but it's good kind. So I, I came at it very much from like a not understanding, therefore ridiculing it, and then seeing people actually play and be like, that seems like fun. My bad. Mm-hmm. For and sure. So it was beginning of my sophomore year. I was able to get in on my friend's campaign um, that they had started and started playing from there. We played that same campaign for three years through college. Uh, just during the school year, and then that's kind of where you know I started with it. Um, where I'm at now, I currently DM two games with friends in person. I play in a ongoing campaign that we just kind of refreshed and be like, okay, new setting, let's just do some new stuff to keep it fresh. Uh, and that's online, so I'm a player character on that one. And then we may be starting another campaign where I won't be the DM because I've been dming a lot while i teach my friends how to play my my chicago area friends uh and now my wife is ready to be like hey let me let me let me run some games so that you can play some too so i'm hoping good aaron yeah yeah well my goal is to train enough people to know how to dm that i only have to dm once every three times i I like the dream so like to you know role play as one person and just get real goofy with it Oh, dude, yeah. No, that's that's the dream, is that you can get a group of, like, a group of friends, you can rotate DMing, and, um, yeah, no, I, I totally feel that. Uh, what, what just uh, real quick, that one that you're playing as a player in, what is your character's shtick? Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's a uh, campaign, it's set in Sharn in the Eberron system, or Ooh, so, 
on setting. Uh, I've never played in Eberron before, so I'm really excited. I've mostly played in various areas of the Forgotten Realms, even in some of the weirder areas. Uh, so the most, this is my first time in Eberron. And so I wanted to play something a little specific to the area. So I'm playing a changeling. Okay, uh, cool. Hard. And we've had one full session. Our next one is tomorrow. But in just the first session, I just make a real regular habit of being like, I look like him now. I look like this guy now. And so I've gone down the list of I have looked like a orc. I have looked like Leonardo DiCaprio in specifically <laughs> The Revenant, specifically <laughs> that Leo DiCaprio. And then I look like Idris Elba for a while, and then I switch to um, Potato Face Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was Leonardo DiCaprio from Catch Me If You Can. And then no, no, I've only been right. old DiCaprio, but my goal is to make it to every member of. Are you familiar with what the Pussy Posse was? At, no, I am uh, not. So at some time, it was a bunch of Hollywood guys in like 2000 who all just like getting laid. So it's like Leo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, and <laughs> all other dudes. I think David Blaine, where they all just like had sex as much as they could and hung out all the time. My goal is to just impersonate all of those guys in like a regular rotation. Yes, yes, that is um, yes. I'll give that a bunch of yeses. I we can even go on a little side thing here. Did you um. How, did you read the Eberron book or like the, the options that they present in it? So yes and no. The way I generally approach new books is that I get them and I don't read anything in them until I think it's relevant to me. <laughs> I don't know why for whatever reason when you'd be like, here's a bunch of fun side information you may or may not use. Unless I think I'm actually going to use it, I probably won't read it. So mm. that's why I, I say yes and no because I like having those different options but i'm not somebody who reads D books cover to cover oh no i completely just completely like i use them as dictionaries yes like i, I need um, this word show me where this word is and then i don't open the book again until i need to know what another word means I, yeah i um i acquired a pdf through totally legitimate and non-illegal means and i read um the only things i read on the Eberron book were the new sub class or was it the new the, the new class the new races and that was that was it. That's all I. That's all. I they added. Uh, they they added artificer. I was thinking yeah. of an artificer, but we did a stat roll that was like a hundred percent random. Oh, uh, sure. Class, and so I was like, well, I got to see what stats I get. And my intelligence was like eleven. So I'm like, yeah. okay, artificer. And charisma was my highest, partially based on the fact that I was a changeling, so I got the racial bonus. Mm-hmm. And, I was like, eh, let's do a changeling bard, and he just likes to play lots of different genres. That's very um, cool. Because he would just like be like, hey, I'm this guy now. Let's play some orc music. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's very good. I, I think the changeling was one of the stronger races that they have in that book. I enjoyed the changeling a lot. I was very disappointed with the warforged, which I I really like war, the idea of a warforged, mm-hmm. and the book disappointed me. But I actually I went on a rant with uh, with a couple of my guys who were normally in my actual play stuff we recorded a couple of nights ago that i'll eventually get the editing done between shit covered hands and and, uh, <laughs> and and melt and meltdowns from both the babies and i i'll eventually edit that one the, i i enjoyed the changing i think of all the races of like doing what they're trying to do the changing is probably the best one and they, they redid the full blood orc i don't know if you saw that or not but the the Eberron full blood orc is just strictly better than the volos orc did you okay. catch that at all no, I, did, I didn't dig in deep with that. I tend to... What was it? What, 
No, I no, I just it wasn't catching my eye right away. I saw Changeling and I was like, let me read about this. I looked at Shifter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, decided it was like, you know, I really want to be able to just like make stupid voices. Um, so Changeling really seemed like what I wanted to be, and so I sure. did a lot of those other ones. And none of our let's see, in our campaign, none of us are orcs. Uh, one of my buddies is a shifter. One guy, um, so my friend Josh, who is the friend I know who's played D&D the longest, he started playing when we were 11. Because uh, he had a nerd dad who was, <laughs> I think, probably on the right level of like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to it, but you be into it if you're into it. Or he could be like, <laughs> maybe I should emulate that instead of uh, having like a weird adam and eve luciferian relationship with those things in my girls but <laughs> you know there, there's a lot there's a million different ways to parent <laughs> so my buddy josh is like okay we're in sharn the closest thing to a big city like a proper modern city in D. there's skyscrapers there's like magical tvs basically and so he's like okay now's my opportunity to make D batman and so he is, we're starting at level one. So he's just a rogue right now, but he is, there's a modification or like a class option where you can become a masked vigilante. <laughs> like that's just something they have built in because Sharn's all about being pulpy, I guess. Sure. And he is, he is uh, Wayne's bruise. Um, <laughs> he, the obsidian owlbear is his, his alter ego, which is the only name I know him as, is, as a character. I've only met him in mask. And, uh, yeah, no, so he's going, I think my understanding is he's going to be, like, rogue fighter down the line. He's got, like, his whole multi-class planned out. And he says by level six, he should have about the abilities of Batman in this era. Uh, and we're, we're all very happy for him because we know this is something, you know, means, really means a lot to him. <laughs> <laughs> and also means he gets to do his, his Christian Bale Batman voice all the time. Oh, hell um, yeah. F at it. That is that is really cool. I um I didn't know that there was a cool mass vigilante. Yeah, that, that's what, another reason why I should just read a little bit more into uh, the books. Where if I don't want to just solely gut them for the sub races and classes and, and stuff like that, that's very cool. The only reason why I know that the full blood orc in Eberron is better than the Volos one is because I have a deep seated hatred for the one in Volos because it's just very bad. And I, I often wonder when they make a like, I, I, I'm not saying everything has to be mechanically sound, but if something's just so fucking bad, I just don't know what Wizards was thinking when they made it. Uh, and the, the Full Blood Orc and Volos is a prime example of that. It's just a very, very bad race option. I, I feel very passionately about it. <laughs> and I, I, know, I know. I've never actually looked it up because I've never wanted to play Full Blood Orc. So I'm just yeah. like, oh, that, whatever. Yeah, I'm just, that works yeah. for somebody. My first player character was a half orc. And yep. I was like, oh, sweet. Let me check out this full blood orc. And maybe there's like some sort of cool uh, symmetry or some sort of cool, like, I don't want to say poetry, but some sort of like uh, synchronicity between like a human and an, a full blood orc. And then in between them is a half orc. That's kind of like a cool opportunity to reflect like certain abilities with one race or another. But they just made the full blood orc a, a stinky piece of shit that means nothing and is terrible, which is um, an ob- objective fact in, right. my subject- in, in my subjective opinion. <laughs> Hello, fellow colleagues. This is adult Luke. This is Luke with children. This is Luke who who mines his 401k, who mines uh, the the stock market and politics. This is me talking about um, Dave Ramsey, 
and the latest episode of The Masked Singer that adults like to watch and listen to. But, um, yeah, no, this is me, Adult Luke, with kids. I'm too old for any of this bullshit playing D&D. I can only look back and talk about the fun times that I used to play. And that's, uh, actually, you know what? Not true. This is young Luke. This is hip Luke. Luke who does all the fun drugs and does all the cool dances. Does all the cool tricks with my uh, tech deck dudes. I'm still back. I don't care if I have kids. I'm still a cool fucking guy. And I'm actually saying that because I believe, with any luck, I am going to be putting on the books a day that we're going to do some actual play recording. I'm very excited for it. I, I love doing these... Uh, interview type things and I have a bunch kind of down the pipe and a couple that are recorded and I'm definitely going to keep doing those but I'm going to try to incorporate like one or two days where I can just do a big old blast of actual play and put it out on there Uh, a couple of weeks not this weekend but the weekend afterward I'm going to get a bunch of the RL crew together and we're going to play something I might even you know I know I was hyping my level one character for stuff but I I might just run into Citadel myself might be that way I haven't DM'd in a bit, and um, as much as I want to play again, I might do it. So we'll see what happens. Things gonna be fun, but uh, I am enjoying this thing with Peter. Peter's a cool dude. I like Peter. Peter's a good friend, young hip gentleman that he is. I'm very much excited to be on his and his wife's podcast in the next couple of months. I also do want to mention at some point later on in the episode, we're talking about both Eberron and Dark Sun kind of at the same time. And at one point I say Eberron and I think he thought that I meant Dark Sun and then we kind of just talking about Dark Sun, but I'm just, we know what we're talking about. Trust me. We know what we're talking about. Like I said, we're young, hip, cool adults, despite me having kids. I'm a fun fucking dude. So now that I've hammered that down your brain holes, you can go ahead and keep listening to how fucking cool and fresh I am. Thanks, goodbye. So if you if your first uh, character was a half-orc, what class did you end up going with him? I So I went cleric because oh. I, I really like the idea of a Tempest cleric. And except the, I, I saw the, the – I pick a class first. Typically when I make a character, I like to go class first, and then I – try to fit a race with it. I didn't want to go, I didn't really want to go a race that has a wisdom boost because I, I wanted to go a little bit off type and mm-hmm. I really like half work. I think it's a really strong uh, player character race. And he's one of my favorite characters. I, he's actually played up to level 15, which is the, the highest level character I actually played through. That wasn't like made it a high level one shot or anything. I, I played him all the way through. So, um, and I, I kind of want to get into this with you as well, but I first started officially playing Dungeons and Dragons in the Adventures League system, and I'm not sure if we talked about that at all. I think so. I listened to your Jordan episode, so you guys brought up a bit about that. So I'm like, okay, I was prepping myself for this one by listening to the Jordan episode. And if you're listening, yeah. to the, go listen to the Jordan episode. He's a good guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, so it, Adventures League is like it's the the Wizards of the Coast sanctioned official organized play. Yeah, And we, when we first started playing at Comic World here in Dubuque, it was me and my buddy Hua and a couple of, a bunch of guys that I met that I, there, a lot of them are in the Rules Lawyers, other episodes, you know, discussion or actual play. And the particular DM we had, he was, at first, he was fine, but he, eventually he was like a huge piece of shit, like nightmare DM that oh. you only hear about in like horror stories that like you don't think are actually real, but he was. 
And we effectively had to like be very conscious of being um, more or less min-maxers just to keep our characters alive. Because we invested a lot of time into them and we like gave a shit about them. But we had to like scrap for every session that we didn't die. And we, but we did die multiple times, but we, you know, there's ways to come back. Yeah. And because of that, I going through that, that particular lens of adventures league presented by him. I, um, yeah, my, my, my original idea for D and D or my original, uh, viewpoint before I was tainted, I think I was very much into the idea of role playing and having a fun, goofy time and we'll worry about rules later. But because of that, I became very rules conscious and very, um, uh, I, I I don't want to say I'm a min-maxer, but I'm definitely I, – I don't do sub-par mechanics when it comes to a character. So I, I'll never play a, a race in a class that are counterintuitive. Okay. So at least for, at least with a half-orc, it's not taking anything away from a cleric. It's it's not – there's no wisdom boost or whatever, but it's not taking anything away. Right. Um, yeah, and clerics arguably can use strength as a secondary, uh, yeah. secondary main, main attribute, but – uh, that's my that's my long winded reason of why I got to where I am today with how I with how I do things. Yeah, I was just curious because I decided to play a half orc rogue uh, as my technically my second carrier character when I joined that campaign. I started out as a very obnoxious uh, dwarf uh, because I was new and was like, oh, should I just make sex jokes all the time? And my friend, <laughs> said, no, you shouldn't. And we just hate your character now. I'm like, okay, well, let's kill him. <laughs> I'll make another guy, and I'll be better as Peter. Um, <laughs> that, that was a lesson I learned at the age of 19, uh, is stop doing that. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, let me come back. I'm going to give my guy a more interesting story, and I'm going to make him quieter. Uh, so I was like, I'm a half-orc rogue. I'm a very slender half-orc, and that's because I was forcibly castrated as a child. So I didn't have as much testosterone, and so I didn't bulk up like my my half-orc brethren. And that's because I was raised in... I don't know what's with me and D&D and colonialism, but I try and work it into too many of my stories. So basically, I was part of like this weird re-education camp uh, run by a sect of paladins. Uh, and I guess I was too rowdy, and so they decided to punish me by uh, literally castrating me and then banishing my testicles to another plane in a jar. Oh, Oh, <laughs> uh, and so my my yeah. first goal was one to become a pirate king and two to be able to travel the plains to reclaim my testicles. What um, <laughs> ended up happening, and his name was Rugda. Uh, what ended up happening with Rugda is that we went to the Isle of Dread, which is a very dangerous place, uh, and I was eaten by a T Rex. Mm. However, we had one friend, and we were high enough level that he had the reincarnation spell. Oh, okay. To reincarnate me. However, reincarnation, you roll a die, and that's what race you come back as. And so I came back as a halfling. (laughs) All the same, like, stats just put into a halfling body. Oh, my God. And my genitals were intact, so I had to completely rearrange what I wanted to do with my life. And I just doubled down on becoming a pirate king. That oh dude that is truly and honestly that is a very cool concept and then played through to like a, an interesting dilemma of like well I I fought so hard to get my balls back I I have a pair now what what who am I now as a as a fully bald halfling that's yeah, that's no, very cool I fully reinvented myself I gave myself a new name obviously like all my party members still knew I used to be Rugda but I was like. Just call me Cornwallis. That's who I am. And I wore like a <laughs> crunch hat. 
and I was in charge of, I think we had three ships in our armada by the time we ended that. That uh, that's that's great. And then um yeah, well, and like, like you said before, you you uh you did the half orc rogue combination. I feel like half orc can just fit with almost any. The, the vast majority of the classes. Half-Orc is such a solid race. I'm a huge fan of Half-Orcs. Um, also Halflings. I'm a big fan of Halflings as well. So actually, I, that would actually lead me to the next question I gave you. What is your favorite 5e race slash class? All right. So I don't have a major standout based on what I've actually played and what I've done. I really enjoyed playing a monk for this one campaign we did about maybe six to ten sessions of, um, because I was a monk who had decided to take a vow of poverty, and so the way I roleplayed him was more like how I picture actual monks might be, where it's like, hey, here's 50 gold for saving the day, and I go, thank you, and then I go to the like closest orphanage, and I just give it all to them. Sure. Uh, so I was really happy with being a monk, because then you can also just do like the seven punches in once, and it's a ton mm. of fun. Monks punch, are amazing. Punch, 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 punch. And you're just like, D4, D6, 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 yeah. D6. So I would say being a monk is a lot of fun just because it really does make you feel like you have natural superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then really, yeah, I've, I've done like a real mix of, I haven't done a ton of hard spell casters. I've played a wizard in maybe four sessions total and really never done sorcerer or warlock or anything like that too much. Um, I tend to, what am I playing up right now? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. It's really what, if, if I can find something that I think works with what I want to do in the campaign. Uh, and so I do like to play kind of sneaky type characters, whether they be ranged attack or uh, up front. So, you know, rangers with hunters with longbows like that. Rogues with, you know, sneak attack and mm-hmm. uh, a dual wielding rapier short sword. And you get like two stabs and a million D6 at once. Oh, I'm, I'm way big into that build. I love that build. But yes, I can. I love, that. I love being able to hit and then just be like, do I kill it? Do I kill it? Uh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a chance. Um, <laughs> that, that's my goal. Is like every time I hit something, I want it to feel like a major hit. And so I tend to go for those ones that have like, you know, can be a little risky and maybe a little delicate, but can sometimes just like pop off and get a big, a big hit. Uh, Race wise. I think the only human I ever played was the monk. I can't remember specifically if the monk was a human, but I think he was. And so I tend to go... I've played a lot of elves over the years. Don't play a lot of short characters. Like I don't I don't lean towards gnomes and halflings too much. Uh, I think that's just because I am a, a, a tall man. Uh, and so I tend <laughs> to go for somebody who it's like, I can relate to this guy. Yeah, they're, they're doing different stuff, but they're, they're a big dude. They, they, they fit in in different places that way. Yeah, no, mostly mostly elven type characters is kind of what I lean to. Or now, you know, with like the changeling, something that's a little bit funky, but kind of has a. It feels a little fey, even if it's not actually fey ancestry. Yeah, it's it's um well, and you know, if even if it was a Forgotten Realms type deal, you can see a changeling being like um a fake. Have you ever read the Dresden Files? Are you familiar? I, I'm vaguely familiar with it just because of like the TV show and stuff, but I've never actually read or watched it. Yeah, I mean, just don't watch it, but uh, read it if you get the chance. <laughs> <laughs> the um, there's definitely like a, a changeling thing that they have going on there that are fae. So you could almost, I feel like in different media there are changelings that are related to fae. So I, I agree with you there. So yeah, that's very cool. I um, I also love monks. 
And um, real quick, back to your your build of like an upfront rogue. I have a build that one day, if I ever get to get back to playing, I'd love to get my uh, wood elf abomination. Uh, I, so I, I, this is the one time I ever tried doing a true, like, just asshole neckbeard min max build. Okay. Where it's uh, I, but I believe by the time it gets to level ten, with I forget what combination I did of feats slash multiclassing into champion fighter and rogue. I think every time I hit, I have a thirty three percent chance of critting, and um, a shitload of d six because I'm, it was like an inquisitive rogue build with champion fighter, also with the elvish accuracy feat from Xanathar's guide. Like I was, I'm really pulling from multiple source books trying to do um, like a real big DPS uh, upline kind of two sword wielding guy. So when you, when you mentioned that, that was really after my own heart. I'm, I'm big into that concept as well. I'll never probably see it happen, but in theory, that's what my character will always like be in my head cannon. You never know. You got a, you got a lot of years in front of you. I didn't think I was going to be playing as much D and D as I have been in the past now year. I've been playing pretty regularly with different or DMing and playing with different people. Uh, so just different phases of life. You'll just hold on to that, make it happen when it happens. Yeah, for sure. Well, maybe I'll just have all this and I'll have to convert it over to like, you know, eighth edition when my girls inevitably get gaslighted into loving D and (laughs) D. Oh God. I, I don't even want to think about when they, come out with a sixth edition i hope it's a, a nice long time since they no, finally I, hit it I think it's good. yeah I, I have theories about it i one i hope it's gonna be a long time because i've invested a lot of money into 5e so i hope <laughs> it doesn't happen for a while i'm sure you feel the same sentiment but um i think it's gonna be a bit i think they're gonna milk the shit for as long as they can because it's so popular yeah no and they're still selling lots of new books to people and yeah. you know those and, beginner hits that i see at target and all that exactly my theory is that when things start to dip a little bit low, they're going to start busting out shit like Spelljammer. Uh, they're going to bring back some classics to to like boost it up to really milk it up for another couple of years afterward. I want Dark Sun in fifth edition because uh, this is that's 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 kind of my dream. Like, oh, I'd love to play something in that setting just because it, it's so funky and weird. Um, and back when I was still in college and. I was playing in 3.5 with my friends, but fourth edition was like the official, like current edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't, I wasn't very good at 3.5. I could handle my character and my friends knew the rules well enough that I could just kind of be like, can you, can you explain how this works again? But fourth edition I was able to get because it was very kind of video gamey. Yep. Uh, how yep. I described it. And so I decided to be like, Oh man, this setting looks really cool. And so I bought the, the black sun books for fourth edition and I always wanted to set up a campaign in it, but I never got around to it. And then by the time I was graduating college, fifth edition was coming out. And I was like, well, okay, let's let's get on to this next set one because this seems better. And hopefully they just move it over to that. But it's been, what, like six years of fifth edition and oh, yeah. oh no Dark Sun. Uh, <laughs> the train's going to keep on rolling. I think that they're going to revisit some of the more popular uh different planes and they're, they're, you're kind of seeing a trend of that now where they did uh, they obviously we did eberron ravnica is a magic the gathering product but i think they're kind of in the realm of like setting up a planescape thing and i, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they they come out with a uh, dark sun product i'd be i love it i think i like the idea of dark sun i've interestingly enough i once got a hardcover graphic novel of dark sun it was like a fourth edition graphic novel product that it had a little adventure in the back that you could play that like tracked the story of the graphic novel 
And I got it, and I was like, oh, sweet, thanks. This is fourth edition, so it's useless to me, but I, I appreciate the gesture. Gesture. So I have a little bit of understanding and a bit of an appreciation for Dark Sun as well. I think that'd be fun to have a full-on port over to 5e. Yeah. No, I just really like it when a campaign can have like kind of a distinctive gimmick around it. So that's when, yes. when I... My campaign with the archipelago is like the 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 gimmick is boats. You have to be on boats. <laughs> You're going to get around because there's only boats. Exactly. Was that eventually they would get an airship? I distinctly made a city that like specialized in making airships so that you guys could get there eventually. But you know, I, I like it when things have a gimmick. In Dark Sun, the gimmick is magic is terrible and you're going to die in the wilderness. Yeah. Try not <laughs> try not to let that happen. I I completely agree. I. You know, I, I definitely – that's one of the reasons why your campaign stood out for me so much. Like, it was – there was a, a big, heavy, like, theme, a big, heavy gimmick, whatever you want to call it. And um, Dark Sun has that for sure. And as much love as I have for Forgotten Realms, it's just kind of like, you know, smattering of fan- – like, there's, there's actually a lot more weird lore, especially in the older shit for the Forgotten Realms. But for the most part, it's kind of just general fantasy lexicon, which is great. You know, like, I, I – deep respect for it, deep love for it. But eventually it's just big, high magic fantasy bullshit that like it, you get a lot of stuff lost in the weeds. So it kind of goes, you know, forgotten about by the wayside, whatever. And, you know, Eberron's got that distinctive, um, like, what do you want to call it? Like Arcana punk, not quite steampunk, but like some sort of variation on punk. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of desert punk question mark because everything's like there's like pyramids and ziggurats and is it really i didn't know that yeah and there's um there's the thrykreen um uh, yeah, so there's them yeah the praying mantis uh class of, or race of people um and so it's just it's just kind of nifty and like there's no metal so everything's made out of like tortoise shell and rocks obsidian okay. yeah. um, shit sure yeah you know everything it's just kind of like D D plus a little bit of mad max fear like mad max so it's just like, yeah, survive in the desert, try not to die. Uh, there's evil, like, wizard overlords in charge of every city-state, and maybe try and take one down. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, side note, do you know WebDM, the YouTubers? I do not. They just did a fun overview on Dark Sun not too long ago. You should check them out. They're, they're, I, I really like them. The One of the guys, Jim Davis, I really subscribe to his, like, Mm-hmm. mentality on um role playing games. They're, they're they're pretty big. They do a lot of stuff with wizards. They're they're a bigger deal in the D community, but they have some really good shit online. Yeah. But, I, I I am so not like a larger internet person when it comes to like any of my interests. I'm just kinda like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Oh, these people are famous. Alright, sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you can like, I, I've made the mistake where I've gone down the rabbit hole with a lot of a lot of that. Um I actually used to listen to the Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons podcast a lot, and then okay. I I became very annoyed with a lot of the people who were on there, and I you know I, I I had to stop listening. I got very annoyed with some of the just their personalities were irritating to me, just very grating. Yeah, but um, but then and then I I got very into Song of Ice and Fire in the past like year or so, and I I listened to a lot of online stuff on that. So once I once I latch on to one thing, I get very very latched into it. The next question I asked you was, what is your favorite 5e monster? Yes, this one I I came up with my definitive answer for. I think because of their kind of like classic status in that these things exist in normal human lore. They exist in so much mythology, and I think they just fit in really well in the D&D world. 
Giants as a whole concept. Oh hell yeah, dude! I, I was once you start talking, I was kind of hoping you'd say Giants. Yeah, no, I, I like so I was a big. I don't want to say fan because that's not the correct term. I really liked Greek mythology as a child. Like mm-hmm. we had, you know, these books in my classroom all about like all oh, the Greek gods and stuff. I'd be like, this is, oh, this is amazing. This is so cool. Basically, just being like, oh, I love heroes and mythology. Okay, yep, I get that. Do for fun now. And in it, you know, I, I thought like the whole kind of like creation story of, um, you know, Earth and Sky making the Titans, uh, and then the Titans creating the gods. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was the Titans yep. creating like the yep. Zeus pantheon of gods. Yep. Um, and so I really see giants as kind of the the progenitors, the the Titans of the D and D world. And I think the idea of them just being this big, huge, literally huge lost <laughs> empire. Uh, having the the magic side of all the different kind of types of giants you can be, and also just having like the huge formidable size where it's like you know you can fight a hill giant or you can fight you know a storm giant, and those are two <laughs> very different things, but they're very, both. very different things. And so I I really think that there's just a lot of fun to be had with just really big enemies and kind of that also have like a deep mythology because a lot of the big enemies are like this is a giant wild animal that can destroy everything but it's it's mostly a wild animal i guess yeah for sure yeah well and like i think that with giants if um if someone's just kind of getting into specifically like uh this flavor of dungeons and dragons or really their whole history throughout their editions if you just see them you kind of just think they're they're just big humanoids to fight but their backstory is really rich and like very Interesting, I think. I actually ran through one of my big DM accomplishments is that when, um, oh, geez, we actually did an episode talking about it mm-hmm. uh, probably a year and a half ago. But did you ever read t- or did you ever look into Tales from the Yawning Portal when they read those classic adventures? Uh, I think I looked at a couple of them just because I was looking for one shots to run. Um, okay didn't actually end up going through all of it, and I don't own that book. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I bought that book. I was, re- I really enjoy that book i think it's a really good book to bust out and just um just kind of throw you know if you're not quite sure what to run for the next couple of months like it's it's i think it's a really good one but mm-hmm. i ran i ran against the giants for a uh, a tier three party and that was a real hoot i had I, I learned a lot from it i learned a lot about just dming and how to set up um encounters and combat and how to actually make it challenging or slash interesting and actually fun but it, obviously it focused really hard on giants and because of that i um i didn't really give a shit about giants before that but then the more i looked into them the more i read about them in the monster manual and um just the more i kind of learned about their history i have a deep appreciation for uh giants especially after playing that yeah i'm happy that you agree that giants are cool because giants oh, are most oh, yeah. definitely cool they definitely are, uh, and one of the things I do really like about them is that if even if you're just looking at it from like a purely like combat scenario, I think both as a DM and as a player, I really like when there's kind of one big bad to fight in a thing or like one or two because you know it's kind of fun to like take down a big horde of whatevers. But it can be really hard to manage on the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, everyone's getting targeted with like seven tiny attacks. And it's like, sometimes you just want the one giant mega boss in the middle. Everyone's trying to punch it. Everyone's using different strategies on it at the same time. Uh, and it's just like, oh, if it targets you, it's going to mess you up. Uh, and giant giants deliver with that because they, they really do. About, 
you know, you're you're probably only fighting maybe two, and that's going to be a really really tough encounter. Oh yeah. Uh, and so it's just it just gives you a great opportunity of like, oh, I can put one on the board. You're going to have to focus on it, but it's still going to be a big challenge, and it's not going to seem like it stands in the middle and goes rawr. <laughs> Well, and if you really want to spice it up, too, if you, like, have one, maybe two, you can give one of them, like, a giant-sized, like, headband of intellect and maybe give it some spell casting. Like, uh-huh. you, you, can, you can spice it up in some pretty quick and easy ways. But to, just to give you an idea of how Against the Giants went, keeping in mind that these were characters that went through that Adventurers League machine that I kind of described earlier, where they were all min-maxers for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and... um. So originally, there's the way it was set up, there's three areas. There was like the hill giant area, then there was the frost giant area, then there was the fire giant area, and then like the, the sub-hidden puppet master shit at the very end. But um, it became very apparent to me that what we were doing, me running as a DM, I would they would just go from room to room, just systematically, and they would just kill off what was ever in that room. And mm-hmm. there was probably four or five players at the table each night that I ran that, and they just slaughtered them, and there was no challenge whatsoever there was it was just slaughter 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 they would take down three or four hill giants you know in maybe two rounds of combat it was boring as hell and not fun so then eventually i got to thinking all right i'm gonna have clusters of them all gather once they hear conflict going on so not only is it this room that you ran into because you're just screaming and having a battle now it's the four other rooms and it's all of the hell giants plus the one random fire giant buddy. Then okay. that shit got very interesting. And uh, by the time that we were at the very end with the uh, with fire giants, it, uh, there would just be waves of fire giants coming with their uh, their pet hydra as well. So that got very very taxing, but also it was it was very fun, very fun memory. Yeah. One one thing that's kind of giant adjacent. I just want to point out because it it, it is a monster I've used now twice uh to pretty fun results it's it's technically kind of an ogre but ogres are also kind of giant related uh is the oni oh they're great Uh, oni is one of my my favorite D &D monsters partially because it is taken from like an actual like folklore i love it when Mm -hmm. these things are just like oh yeah how do we make uh this this famous monster you know in D D? and i like having that option uh, the fact that it can do like the whole shape change, and so the way I've used it twice on two different parties is, oh, you you come upon kind of a mysterious mansion, someone's going down, surprise the person in the house or the mansion or whatever is actually an oni, and so it really comes down to like, are you making the right insight checks? Are you picking up the fact they're a little creepy, and maybe you think they're a little creepy, but you don't necessarily think they're about to turn into a giant or you know a, a, a large giant oni ogre guy and so i i do really love onis because they're just like they're 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 sneaky and they're spooky they're very, they're very sneaky they're very spooky and you know maybe the characters that are encountering it hopefully they have the insight to realize that the uh the, the closet full of children's shoes might be off-putting that they have in their in their mansion <laughs> yes. no, oni are great then um mechanically speaking big old blast of cone of cold always awesome that's a spell that i feel like as DMs, we don't get to play around with all too often. Onis give you that option. Um, I, they've been in a few of my things. I think they were in Against the Giants, and I think they were also in... I know I had at least one in Dungeon of the Mad Mage when I was running that. So they... You know, the Onis are very great. They kind of have like a... They kind of, like in the in the Monster Manor, they kind of have that Shonen Jump face. Does that make uh, sense when I say that? Yeah, no, the, the, I mean, since it is a, a Japanese folklore monster, they definitely give it 
a, a smidge. Like, it's not purely in the standard, like, D&D style. Um, and so, yeah, he does kind of have the, uh, the, the, the anime face, you can yeah. call it. Done in a very cool way. Yes. As best I can put it. My quick one, real quick, uh, just because it's relating to the Sean McGuire thing. My favorite monster, at least for low tier, is Intellect Devourers. I really uh, like I like them a lot, and they they featured prominently in my Sean McGuire romp around one shot. So I enjoyed them a lot. I just love the look of you know a brain with tiger claws <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my I think the the hallmark of a Luke favorite monster is that they have an ability that's just so fucking weird and like off the wall. And like, they'll, they'll give you a thing like with, with the intellect power, they'll be like, yeah, you, you can drain all their intellect and they will be stunned until they regain one point of intelligence. How do you regain one point of intelligence? I don't fucking know. Figure it, figure <laughs> it guess. out. <laughs> it's just whatever makes sense. Like, do you yeah. sleep? Do you, do you rest? Do you crest like greater restoration? That doesn't give you an explanation. It just says, you can gain it back. Just make it make sense. <laughs> or, and, and then all, but then I, uh, they're also very deadly and they're also great. Just they'll, they'll eat your brain. Oh they yeah. Will, they will come in and then you can just take over that player character. I think that's an amazing thing. Yes, I like no, the, I, I got like the monsters that don't pull punches. Time recently. Uh, I got to use one for the first time recently doing a, it pops up in, um, dragon heist. Uh, oh, does it? the earlier missions of dragon heist, you, you see a um, mind flayer who's like hanging out with one of the uh, the gangs, uh, and the mind flayer is like, "I'm gonna peace out." And he just puts down his intellect devourer, and then like the mind flayer teleports away. Uh, but then the intellect devourer is there, and the party's like, "What is this brain with claws?" <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Was that Xanathar Guild related? I bet. Yeah, yeah. So the mind flayer, I mean, spoilers, is working with the Xanathar Guild. That's all I'm going to say, because I, you know, I don't know if one of my players is going to listen to this, and we're still sure. going at Sure. I, I, I started running Dungeon of the Man Mage, but never uh, Dragon Heist. But I almost wonder if that Mind Flayer is the same one, because I know there's a, a Xanathar Guild-related Mind Flayer in Mad Mage. but Probably, because he does have a name, and I forget what it is off the top of my head, but it's yeah. like, oh, this is a guy. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that it's probably the same one. Next question I had was, what are your what, your favorite 5e products, whether that be like a book or a supplement? Um, I mean, pretty much yeah. it's all books. But Yeah, so this one, I, I can't say that I have a particular favorite book because I kind of explained how I like to interact with the book. So I can't be like, this one, it's got all the stuff I like. However, I have become a huge proponent um, for people who are maybe just getting in or don't have a lot of physical books yet. I would recommend D&D Beyond. I've really liked working with D&D Beyond, it's worked okay. really well with my campaigns of newbies, because really, like, the character sheet creation is incredibly simple, and it's just like, oh, here, let me pick all my options, and they'll give you descriptions on all the options, and it really lays out really well, better than you would expect, honestly. Really? To Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can, I'll show you sometime, I'll just, like, kind of invite you over, and you can make a pretend character in one of my campaigns, but you can... So I have a bunch of the books owned digitally just through D&D Beyond, and I'm able to share that with up to three campaigns. Uh, so all of my players right now in the three campaigns I'm in, both as a DM as a player character, they just have access to everything in those books. So they can just read the books in their entirety or reference them on their sheets and have like the hyperlink, you know, wiki entries and all that. And it, it works 
much better than I ever thought this you know website would. That's um, very cool. Yeah, if if you already own like the physical books, it's hard to jump and be like, okay, repurchase everything because they're still like thirty bucks a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a bit of a hit for me because I already own like the core rule books and everything, and I was like, yeah. well, I'm getting all these friends into it. Okay, I need a, I need an easy way to teach these people because they're busy, they got jobs. I'm not gonna get them in if I say, hey, we're gonna t- spend an hour making a. <laughs> Um, I need to be like, okay, let's go 10 minutes. Okay, click, 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 click. You want to do this? Great, pick that. Um, and so it's been a really great teaching tool for me uh, on that. I didn't expect that answer, and I'm actually glad that was your answer because I've always wondered whether or not it was worth it. And I've I never really had anybody that I know personally that went full like full bore into it. So that's mm-hmm. that's cool. I've always kind of thought like you know it probably wasn't worth it. Like I'd, I'll just do it pen and paper. I'll, you know, I'll just make it do myself, but, um, that is reassuring that they made a quality product to like onboard newbies and, and things like that. And just yeah. making those options available. It's definitely not a waste of money if you're coming in from zero. So if you just don't own anything, I would say maybe try getting the player's handbook on that and it'll help you make some character sheets and you can print them out or just use them all digitally. Um, it even like, so somebody made a third party, um, plugin so that you can, use your character sheet to interact with Roll20. So that's oh, really? what the game I'm playing uh, with my friends from college online. We play on Roll20. Uh, and the Roll20 character sheets, I wasn't a big fan. And so I was like, hey, let's see, try using D&D Beyond. Uh, and so I think I've made converts of all of them because there's a plugin that lets you just like click and then it'll port it over to Roll20 uh, and be like, oh, here's my here's my attack roll, here's my, my deck save. And it works surprisingly well just because like, it's, it's really good character sheet management um, just at a premium price, which is the only the hard part to say about that, because D&D is a game you can so easily play for cheap, mm-hmm. but you can get it, which is yeah. the hard part. I, so, I can definitely I can second the motion that Roll20's character sheet is not great. I wasn't a fan of it the, the one time I attempted doing it. I, I remember the I've done a handful of Roll20 campaigns. And there was the one, the first one I ever did, I went full bore trying to do the character sheet. I hated it. I thought it sucked. And then even to the point where I just like did everything on paper anyway, or if like I had a, you know, if I wanted to roll an attack, I'd be like, all right, uh, Jordy, you're DMing. I'm, I got a plus six. Just, just trust me. I have a plus six. <laughs> yeah. Gonna... I'm not lying. I promise. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did have one other thing though. So this is um, a third party, I guess, campaign and product maker uh, i've used a couple of their kind of one-shot campaigns uh, i think she's just a i think it's a she uh is kind of just like an independent D creator person um so the the website it's called arcane library um i don't know if you've like, heard of it or not i, I think I just feel found like it. i feel yeah. like i've heard of them yeah. uh, and, th- and they don't have a ton of adventures but i've run through two of them and the way they design it i think is really intuitive for my style of dming in that it's like information light and they really make it more customizable be like oh yeah like here's some things that can happen in this room tell me you know you figure out what works best for like how they're role playing it and what else has happened and so they don't put huge paragraphs of stuff they still have a little bit of flavor text um but they really just kind of like nail down in 15 pages what it would take like 30 pages in you know an official Mm -hmm. adventure and so i really appreciated that as a uh dungeon master and i was using it a lot when i was working specifically with a group of middle schoolers at my old job that's also very cool i I can definitely 
second and it, it might vary from book to book or maybe the year in which the the book was published because i think at the beginning if you're talking like horde of the dragon queen they have a lot of superlative information that is just not yes. necessary but then you get into like dungeon of the mad mage and while it's a it's a real thick son of a bitch it's all if you go like page by page or like section by section it's all just concise information on what you need for that encounter mm-hmm. and there might be some fluff here and there and they're you know but it, they, they get tighter as you get along but they do have a theme where i'm like i'm just scouring through paragraphs of text i'm like where, where the fuck did they mention this one thing i think that's it I, i'm trying to remember how many twig blights are we using here um they that, that is good to show someone just kind of cutting out the uh the bullshit making it a little bit easier to, to get to what's the, the the important bits the meat and potatoes yeah, so anybody out there, if you're looking for some good one-shots, I recommend Arcane Library. They've put out several different levels. So, like, they've got, like, a 20th level one I've never touched, and they've got several, like, first through fifth that are mainly the ones that I've used. And they've done some, like, horror and Edgar Allan Poe-themed ones, too. Ooh, okay. If that's that down with. Have you ever done any, um... Have you ever looked into Cobalt Press? Any of their stuff? Uh, not specifically specifically i may have inadvertently purchased some of their things through a humble bundle that name okay. sounds familiar but i'll have to look through like my random folder of pdfs <laughs> to check. if you if you happen to have anything of theirs that's like a, a monster manual or their tome of beasts it's some pretty good shit they have they have really interesting you know new monsters uh they're 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 fun they're i don't know a whole lot about them but i've again i've acquired them through very legitimate very legal means and i i enjoy my um my clean moral conscience that i i have with with their products that i have on my phone yeah i think now is the good time my final question that i have for you yeah and hopefully it made sense that i when i typed it up what would your um what three pieces of media would you say influences your style of playing the most whether that be like dming or how you build pcs and when i say media like you know, like an example would be like for me, and I, I've gotten into this on a podcast before with someone else. I think for me, my main three media influences how I how I D and D the most would be like Over the Garden Wall, maybe a little bit of Undertale, and a big heaping helping of Neil Gaiman. Those three things I like to at least try to emulate with how I play. What three things would you say are yours? Okay, yeah, no, this is this is a question I was having. Not a hard time with not because I misunderstood it, but more just because like man, what what do it's it's hard sometimes hard to pick out what your actual influences are when it's just something that you kind of do not necessarily naturally, but like pretending to be some weird ass character is something I just like to do sometimes. And yeah. I'm not like a stage person, I wasn't an improv person. I just think it's fun to fuck with my friends that way. <laughs> um, and so. The way uh, the things I think that tie most into what got me interested in D and D and what still fuels me is my love from enjoying. So the first RPG I ever played was Final Fantasy X, and so while I don't think there's a lot in common between JRPGs of that era and Dungeons and Dragons, had I not gotten into things like that at that time, I don't think I would have been here. And so I still. I like the idea of building a party and doing those tweaks and kind of building kind of some of the story around that still sticks with me here and there. Uh, I don't think it really influences me that much anymore. 
Um, but I'm still a big JRPG and Final Fantasy fan, um, along with you know being a D and D fan. But it, it's that's something I put out there. Just really is like, yeah, this this influenced me. Yeah, they're not they're not polar opposites. Yeah, I wouldn't say they. Yeah, there's some overlap for sure. Yeah, it, there's just one is much more about like the numbers and kind of going through a straight line. Uh, when then there's D and D, which has plenty of numbers, but has a lot more to you know, ad lib on top of it. Really? And it, it's kind of like a classic thing for people our age, I think. Uh, the Lord of the Rings films, specifically sure. films, um, were such a huge influence in just, like, my life and what I found interesting. I rewatched those movies multiple times a year between the ages of 9 and 18. Mm-hmm. Um, Feel you know, that. Edition DVDs, just, like, make a full weekend of it. Um that was my thing and so as much as i like to break away and have the weird kind of irreverent stuff i still like it when things feel kind of lord of the ringsy and like this is serious now and we're all kind of (laughs) and there's the giant battle um and you know obviously like anything else a lot of this wouldn't exist without tolkien Mm -hmm. um so it's just if, if i'm talking just my own personal stuff i would say what more directly influences how I generally play and how I approach things. It would be any comedy I consume, really just anything that's a bit more modern and fun. I really like uh, cop shows as a kind of way to break into adventures, uh, especially ones in cities. I really like kind of seeing certain arcs in adventures as more like um, cop procedurals. (laughs) Uh, I watched a lot of Law & Order and NYPD Blue growing up as a kid. Um, And so really it's like, Whenever I play a city guardsman, I'm basically playing Dennis Franz or Ice T or <laughs> Olivia. Uh, no, hold on, Mariska Hargitay. I'm always basically like, oh, I'm a, I'm a hard-boiled New York cop, but I'm in Waterdeep, um, and so <laughs> that's that's pretty pretty consistent with how I tend to approach a lot of city-based stuff. Of like, this is a case you're working. This is what you're doing. Uh, as a player as well, I often. You know, th- this happened just yesterday. We, we did a run shot, and I was playing a character with rel- you know, minus one intelligence, and I was just like, I had to stop myself from just doing all the detective-y stuff of being like, oh, hold on, let's case this scene. What information do we have? Go question that guy. <laughs> because that's just like my, my initial instinct of like how to solve a puzzle and be like, mm-hmm. okay, how do, we, how do we go through this adventure, solve this mystery is, you know, you, you break it down like a, uh, a cop procedural. You try and find where the twist and turn is going to happen and be like, oh, we're... We feel like we're about three quarters of the way through. Let's get ready for a twist right here. So you're telling me the intellect devourer ate his brain? That's that's my iced tea. Yeah, I'm, I was, I'm glad you said iced tea. That's, that's a, a definitely unexpected source of inspiration. I uh, Cop procedurals. That's pretty good. Yes. Yeah, um, cop procedurals. And I have just on, like, because I had notes ready for all those. I did mention uh, Hellboy um, because... Hellboy, I think, helps bridge the gap between cop procedural and D and D. And in the way, Hellboy is, you know, kind of a, a hard boiled. He's fed up with the job. Uh, a lot of his comic stories is kind of like, oh, gotta go fight the Baba Yaga, I guess. Okay, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's very episodic, and he's just kind of like over it. And yeah. he's a little bit yeah. human. He's a little bit serious. Great art style. So anytime I think of a lot of things in D&D, I definitely think in kind of a Mike Mignola art style. That's great. Um, yeah, I love no, that. I, I, 
Manolo and then whenever the big bad is about to punch you, you say son of a, and then before you can say bitch, he gets clocked in the face. Exactly. Precisely. And then I break off my horns. I always play a tiefling. Uh, I've never, <laughs> man, I have never attempted to do a tiefling Hellboy thing, and that might be my next character. I'm kind of surprised. I, I'm, I've never even thought about that. Ever, That's great. I can get a gun. I will be a Hellboy tiefling. You, you should. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big. Uh, I, I'd say I'm a, I'm a fairly big Hellboy fan, and I, I've never thought about doing that. That's very cool. Um, I, I don't know what you do as a class. Maybe like a some sort of fighter. Yeah. Maybe. No, maybe say, I mean, Paladin kind of fits yeah. because he. I mean, at least if we're going. I haven't read much of the comics in a while, um, but I know in like the films in the the Guillermo del Toro films, I really kind of play up his like Catholicism. Yeah, um, yeah, so I, I guess they do. Playing him as a paladin, uh, like a tiefling paladin, who's like, yeah, I hate that I'm descended from Satan or whatever, but <laughs> I'm gonna fight for the light. Uh, but I'm also fed up with this shit. Yeah, for no, for sure. I, yeah, I think paladin would be good. Like, and you're getting the charisma boost, so that would be get the big. Nothing doable. Yeah, is there anything else that you want to mention? And those are all the questions that I gave you. Uh, is there any other uh, brain nugs you want to you want to drop out here? Man, that, that, I mean, I, I went through a whole lot of my D and D history. I've listed maybe all but two of the characters I've ever played. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you. Uh, so one of my personal favorite things to do as a DM is to make up names on the fly, and so I want to know from DM to DM. Do you use nameless? Do you use a name generator? Do you like to just make up names? How, okay. What's your approach to names? Okay, so anybody who's played in any of my homebrew or really just any of my, even if it's a, a pre-generated Adventures League module, anything, if I need a, a name on the spot, nine times out of ten, it's going to be either Luke Vorwald, Luke <laughs> Vorwald, or, or some sort of variation on my own name. Otherwise, one of the re- one of the re- ways I like to make a fun name, I like to take like a fast food franchise and just twist the name, uh, replace one letter. Like, uh, there's a there's a uh, an acolyte of some uh, fucking god, and her name is Banera Pred. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, <laughs> just take, take or, or kind of go like the George R. R. Martin style and take a normal name, but like just just twist it up to be an asshole like a little bit like instead of peter it's like a patire instead of peter or um yeah yeah, you know what i mean i'll just take something and just tweak it just a tiny little bit yeah i do that a lot i uh this isn't the same thing but i had a character that i played for a one shot it was a divine soul sorcerer that was a warforged and it was the old warforged that was from the earth arcana where you could have like a tool inside your body i don't know if you're familiar with that or not but its tool that it has was um, uh, its tool proficiency was vehicles. So I I had it that it had um, wheels that popped out. So it was kind of like a transformer. And I called him Kurgesis. But if you just looked at how it was spelled, it was Car Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's kind of how I came up with names on the spot. But but again, I'm almost giving myself a little bit too much credit because, like I said, 90% of my NPCs are some variation of my own name. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because um, in the campaign I just started with my my friends from college, our buddy who's the DM, um, I just started asking for literally like every person we encounter. I just like introduce myself, be like, "Hi, I'm Jim. <laughs> What's your name?" He'd be like, "Fuck, I didn't have a name ready." I'm like, "Sorry, <laughs> maybe just have a generator open or something because I'm gonna ask a lot of names." <laughs> oh yeah. I'm a- 
charismatic guy over here. So I'm just sure. introduce myself. <laughs> yep. My name is Bob. The, this is Bob two. This is Bob three. We're, we're all siblings walking in a line. And yeah. <laughs> I honestly just sometimes take the stranger names of people I've met and throw it out there because it's, well, I mean, I'm not recording for a podcast or anything. So it's just my friends. They aren't going to know, or if they know, they'll be like, ha yeah, that guy. And there's one dude in particular, I'm not going to say his name because even if it's small, I don't want to be like, hey, this guy, because it's literally just his full name that I use regularly <laughs> in the character. Uh, and I'll tell you personally afterwards, because it is a good D&D name, Ooh. and you might want to rec- you know, he, 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 you don't know where he lives or who he is, so you could probably use it, and that's totally cool. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll steal that name. Yeah, it's a good one, and it can be so many. I think I've used it for like city guardsmen to thieves to all kinds of stuff. But it's just like go to my go to backup name if I can't think of anything, or just like replacing different names. So like my my current character is named Jimothy, uh, where it's Jim and Timothy together. You just take two normal names and mash them up, um, Mm -hmm. and then it's a fun fantasy name. So that that tends to be what I do. That is very good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, if you subscribe to my Patreon, then you can get the secret name that Peter mentioned. <laughs> no Patreon yet. Uh, if I ever, yeah. if I ever see this guy, who I have run into, right, like you know, somewhat regularly, I'll have to hit him up sometime. And be like, yo, uh, can I just start mentioning your name at random places? Because I, I I've talked to him about it. Be like, you're my go-to T and D name. He's like, oh sweet. <laughs> is it is it a uh, Jordan Speedo Sprunger? no if only <laughs> no this it's 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 a heck of a name no i i think that i think that's all i had for this time around i'm sure i'll have uh more stuff next time i'm on sweet yeah no for sure um i know i have a i have a handful of i have some people who i actually had a better response on facebook the one that you responded to on people who wanted to guest and um but no i definitely want to have you on in the near future for yeah, sure no, and I i'm also very much next episode this is the peter gets questioned by jo- by luke podcast now <laughs> yes yes this is gonna be um this is just gonna overtake it it'll be the the the, the, the what it was once before is just a, a now small part of the, the the pie chart of what it was yeah but, i want to um, every podcast in iowa <laughs> yeah I mean, I think I might be the only one. I don't know. I might be the only podcast. It's impossible. Only one. I might be the only Dubuque podcast. That's that is fair. possible. Okay, that, that's possible. Dubuque is, I don't know how big it is, but I don't think it's For that sure. large. It's, it's bigger, but there's a lot of old people. Under or over 100,000 like citizens. Please excuse me while I do some Googling. I I'm terrible at like just uh, estimating that in my head. Dubuque population uh, as of 2017, 58k. All right, okay. So it's about the same population as the town I grew up in, which is a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. Cool. No, okay. Just yeah, no. It's, just, it's, it's spread people. over a large area, and there's a lot of old people. Yeah, that's understandable. Okay, you got to get the old people podcasting. I need to know what they're thinking. And you know what? I think the, there might be other podcasts, but it's all just like pre-recorded mass from Catholic Church for oh. people who can't, <laughs> don't want to attend. I guess <laughs> I think that might be the only other types of podcast that Dubuque has to offer. Were so. I to follow one church on 
a, a podcast, it would have to be a, a church from Dubuque, Iowa. That's the only one I will follow. <laughs> Prepare to be extremely bored and disappointed. Perfect. Uh, cool. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, no, dude, we'll, we'll, I'll have you on for sure. I'm also very much looking forward to being on Game & Read. I should mention, I Are did... Running, uh, I started reading... Say that again. I was yeah, talking about you. You're coming to us sometime around uh, April, May. Should yeah, be, right? that, yeah, that sounds about right. I actually restarted... Uh, I re- I'm starting to reread the Sandman graphic novel series because and we, we landed on doing number five, which I think would fit with the game we chose, Link's Awakening, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I figured, well, fuck it. I might as well just reread the entire thing. It's been so long since I've read that full series, so I'm just going to go ahead and reread it. Yeah, I only ever read the uh, first two, so I'll probably want to re-go through those and maybe catch up because they're, they're only so big. They're not that huge, so no. it, it's between now and then. Yeah, they're pretty quick reads. I they're worth digesting but they don't they don't take too long so yeah cool cool beans man well thanks for coming on yeah no oh hold on i'll do one more of my, my last little pluggy thing for you know whoever's out there yeah check out game and read it's the podcast i do book and game pairings we come out pretty much every week uh and then i'm on twitter at nerd in the world that's right at nerd in the world all right as soon as i hit stop recording peter's gonna tell me the super secret name and <laughs> uh great well uh, peace out. Bye. Bye. Set the 